Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. And we are now pleased to go back to our orthopedic clinic phone line where we welcome on Joe Bartle of RotoWire here with all of your fantasy football needs. Joe, as always, the time is greatly appreciated. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing all right. Hopefully the Brewers make my day a little bit better, but uh, I know you guys don't have much of an issue when you have an actual good baseball team to root for. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, we were talking about the, our stress level, the fact that it could be potentially the Phillies that they have to play and how our stress level with this series potential is kind of up there right now. Yeah, well, we'll see again next, how, how how it's going next Wednesday after we play a couple games of that series. But, yes, you're right. The Brewers are, are up against it there with Arizona. Got to win two in a row. Uh, they're at home in Milwaukee. But, uh, Joe, uh, when we look at uh, the fantasy football landscape here after four weeks of the year, we're now at essentially the quarter mark of the season. I know there's 17 games now, so technically that it's not quite a quarter. It'll be a quarter during this next game, what have you. Uh, is this now the right time uh, if you're a fantasy football owner to kind of reassess rosters, kind of start to feel like the season's kind of playing out a certain way and try to be more active in the trade market? Or it kind of are, are these basically known commodities four weeks through a season? Yeah, I don't know about known commodities, commodities per se, but I do think there's um, – you know what your roster is, if that makes sense. Like I, I think there's, there's times where – uh, points can differ, and you can have more or less than your projected points. And I think situations can change, injuries can change. Um, but I think you can you can have an overall totality of your roster. And at this point, I don't really feel like there's that many free agent waiver wire pickups that make a true difference. Uh, obviously, some certain situations, but you go back to beginning of the uh, beginning of the season, you got Kyron Williams and guys like Jerome Ford after Nick Chubb's injury, and uh, you know there's a few of those pickups, and, and that just dwindles more and more as the season progresses. And there's less um, ability for that to change uh, and impact your roster, too. So I, I don't know about known commodities exactly, but I do agree in the sense that I think you know where your team is at. And while a 1-3 and three re- record might not be indicative of what you are from a fantasy perspective, it, it is uh, you know a combination of bad luck. It could be at certain times, but also a recognition of, okay, I, I need to make a change in my roster if I have postseason aspirations, aspirations and stuff like that. Joe, looking at the Detroit Lions, uh, we know that they drafted Jameer Gibbs. You know, pretty high. They traded up to get him. We're really happy about him, and and they were saying, you know, all these reports about his usage, and he was going to be all over in the offense. And I know Thursday night, you know, he was supposed to get a lot of touches. David Montgomery wasn't going to be playing. Then all of a sudden, he was playing, and then David Montgomery went off for over 100 yards and three touchdowns. I know it was against your Packers. I'm sorry, um, <laughs> but you know, what what do you think on Jameer Gibbs? Should should we you you know, fantasy guys that own him, should should he be sold at this point in time just based off the potential that could be there towards the end of the season, or should we stick with him as an owner and, and see how he plays out? Yeah, I'm not convinced there is that guaranteed potential at the end of the season, but my only concern is you're probably drafting around the fourth or fifth round, and I, I don't think there's any way you could get more close to that value. So if this is a dynasty league or keeper league, um, you could talk me into – situations will differ in future seasons or the Lions will recognize the draft capital invested in Gibbs and therefore utilize him more. But I don't I don't see how this is much different than essentially an upgraded version of Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift from last year. And I think that's that's a really key point for me is that it's been very consistent in what Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Lions, wants to do and how he wants to operate with these guys. And Montgomery's a better version of Jamal Williams. And I think 
Uh, even though DeAndre Swift's crushing it for the Eagles, I think Jameer Gibbs is a better version of Swift for the Lions last year, too. And I, I don't know if that situation plays out to a point where you're really happy with the Swift slash Gibbs side of that fantasy investment. So I'm not eager to go ahead and acquire him. Uh, if somebody was to do a two for one trade and I need an additional receiver or Gibbs would be my, my running back two or a flex play, I would, I would do that with the assumption that in full point PPR leagues, Gibbs is just going to give me enough of a floor each and every week that I, I can, uh, make sure that works my roster with the hope that there is potential upside, even if, uh, even if I don't think there is going to be. But I'm not actively going out and acquiring him. I'm, I'm not treating him as the asset that he was in the fourth or fifth round in early drafts. Uh, and, and I think that's, it's going to be a hard move to make uh, unless you have a lot of depth at certain positions and somebody else is really hurting. Uh, well, now let's mention your Packers there for a little bit. Uh, in, in particular, uh, Aaron Jones. Uh, thoughts on him? Uh, is, is he still a viable guy? What's going on with the Packers? Yeah, absolutely. I actually think um, – I would be really interested in acquiring him after this game against the Raiders. And I say after this game, because the Packers are going to buy next week. So I would like the fantasy manager who has Aaron Jones, I'm trying to acquire, to have to sit on that buy and then go out and get him. But he'd be probably one of my top targets because I think he's going to be a bit depreciated in price given the injury uh, and injury history throughout Jones' career. But I chalked it up to the Packers just being very safe and understanding that um, dating back to the Thursday game against the Lions, the Packers were going to play one football game in 23 days, and we, we are that one football game is going to occur next, you know, this Monday against the Raiders. So I think the Packers are just being ultra safe, and that was the same case with Christian Watson as well too. Um, I think for the offense to be as effective as some anticipated they would be, Aaron Jones is going to have to be a critical factor. And yes, he's not fit, facing the, the Bears uh, every single week is where he went off. But I think you can get him at a, a, a bit of a discount, and I fully feel confident that he'll be utilized enough where he is a running back two, uh, low-end running back one. It would depend on the assets they're giving up, but I, I do feel comfortable. I would feel more comfortable acquiring Aaron Jones than Jameer Gibbs. Joe, I, I, I'm not understanding how for the uh, almost second year in the row, I guess two, second year in three years, how – the Rams have produced a relatively unknown, just awesome wide receiver. I know Pukin, uh, Pukin Nakua was still, uh, I mean, known from his time at BYU a little bit and that sort of thing. But still, relatively speaking, they go from Cooper Cup, who immediately kind of ascends to top five wide receiver in the NFL. And now Nakua is at least producing like that through four weeks. Do you see some sort of plateau being hit and some sort of return to earth, or is Nakua going to be able to be towards the leaders and receivers all year long? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I don't know if we have the answer yet, but I think we're going to get it this week because I anticipate Cooper Cup is going to be healthy. And, of course, they face the Eagles, so the matchup's already going to be kind of tricky anyhow. But I, I pretty confidently feel like Nakua is going to have enough value where – you're rolling with him for the rest of the season, and I, I left him out on term, uh, some of the top waiver wire pickups because certainly through four weeks he has been outstanding, and I really feel confidently throughout the rest of the season that he is an easy wide receiver too, a, a flex play as well too. Um, and I don't believe that Cooper Cup is going to cut into his numbers whatsoever. I, I think it's very possible for Stafford and the Rams to thir- throw 35, 30-plus times a game at minimum, and let's just say 15 targets for Cooper Cup, 10 for Nakua, uh, and then the mix-up between Atwell or Higby or any of the running backs, you get the extra 10 and 5. Like I, that, that feels very reasonable. The chemistry that uh, Stafford has with Nakua is very real. I think the way that Sean McVay schemes things, 
uh, for Nakua has been really awesome to see, too. You go back to uh, week two against the Seahawks, or, yeah, I think it was, no, it was week one against the Seahawks, just terrorizing Bobby Wagner and McVay, understanding what that advantage was, and then to see him uh, find stretch the boundaries a little bit for the 49ers as well, too. Like there's There's been so many instances where I found that they used Nakua so creatively, uh, and I give a lot of credit to McVay, but Nakua was a known commodity, like you mentioned, from BYU, and probably fell a little bit under the radar uh, due to really bad uh, athletic testing. And I think that stuff gets, you know, it's so it's so great to be enamored with the Kyle Pitts and Anthony Richardson, and rightfully so. But if you're able to produce um, at the level that Nakua was in college, I think some of that stuff you can you can kind of say, yeah, that that can translate in the NFL when it, when a good coach is utilizing me to that level, like we're seeing with Sean McVay and the Rams this season. Looking at the Colts, Jonathan Taylor's coming back uh, after four games off of the PUP list. Uh, so where do you see Jonathan Taylor? Do you think he'll have an immediate impact in the Colts' offense, or do you think it'll take him a while to really get going? Yeah, we had this que- uh, question last month, and I was saying, I don't know if Jonathan Taylor ever plays against the Colts. I wouldn't be drafting him whatsoever. I'm not trading for him. Uh, I- I'm not, I'm not, I didn't have many shares of Jonathan Taylor to begin with. But I actually feel much more optimistic about the situation uh, than I did four weeks ago, and that's in large part because the Colts look like they're a good team, and that Anthony Richardson has been everything that was advertised uh, after he had those incredible athletic uh, measurements at the combine. Like he, he's been great. Head coach Shane Steichen has been able to use Anthony Richardson creatively, and more importantly, the AFC South looks very winnable. I mean, the Texans are very competitive. The Jaguars are, are underachieving. The Titans have no idea what they are. And the Colts are in the mix. And I think it's, it would be such an easy sell for Jim Irsay uh, to say, you know what, I, I, I took the loss in my battle with Jonathan Taylor, but I did it for, for the good of you, the people, the fans out there. Uh, and that's why I need Jonathan Taylor to make sure that we can win this division uh, and make our rookie quarterback look like a, a great investment. Because there's so much incentive, I think, for uh, the owner Jim Irsay to kind of bite the bullet a little bit. And I think Jonathan Taylor is going to be motivated for that next contract, which will not be with the Colts, I would imagine, uh, but he's going to be motivated. So I, I'm actually um, much more in on Jonathan Taylor. That comes at the expense of Zach Moss, uh, who's been a, a fantasy revelation for the first three or four weeks of the season. And I wouldn't be surprised if this week and maybe next week he still has some utility as they work Jonathan Taylor back into the game plan. Um, but I, I'm, I'm much more interested in Jonathan Taylor than I was at the beginning of the season. So uh, let's now switch over to the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, with their offense, a, a, a team very popular in the fantasy realm with Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and a lot of the other weapons, but it really feels like that offense has just really not gotten itself fully on track to what people expected. Uh, if you're a fantasy owner of these guys, are you concerned at all, or do you think that, uh, that Mahomes and, and the rest of his guys – finally figure it out and start putting up the big-time numbers. Yeah, and you could say this to a lesser extent for the Eagles, too, although I think the situation, situations are actually pretty similar in the sense that if you, if you drafted the Chiefs' offense or the Eagles' offense, the highest-priced player in most situations was going to be the quarterback. So Patrick Mahomes was like a top-16 pick. Uh, Jalen Hurts was top-20, 20, top-24. 20, I understand Kelsey was you know 4 or 5 overall. And that didn't change too much with his injury, and A.J. Brown was a late first-round pick. But, I mean, the quarterbacks were the linchpins of these fantasy offenses. And I think Mahomes and Hurts are still right up there in terms of overall top fantasy points. And I think the, the game against the Jets limited Mahomes a little bit in terms of top overall standings. But he's been more than fine. It's it's the other pieces. So Devonta Smith for the Eagles, you know, was a uh, top 24 pick. He was mid to late second round. But the Chiefs didn't really have anybody like that. It's Kadarius Tony, 
MVS. I liked uh, Rasheed Rice. I still like him, I guess. Um, Sky Moore, like none of the Chiefs' assets other than Travis Kelsey were anywhere near the realm of uh, high enough draft capital for you to be upset with what's happening. So as long as Mahomes is producing, I actually feel like it's a totally fine fantasy situation, even if they aren't lighting up the fantasy scoreboards to the extent that they were when they had Tyree Kill and everyone else uh, you know, a couple of years ago for that offense. I do think they'll get right. I mean, the Chiefs' schedule is pretty difficult, but they play their division mates uh, really well. They still have two games yet against the Broncos defense, which looks like you and I could, you know, produce <laughs> fancy points against them right now. Yeah. Uh, the Chargers also are miserable all the time in Mahomes' career. So, like, there's lots of matchups, I think, uh, in the near future for the Chiefs' offense to get right, even if they don't have the horses that have been able to be so successful in past seasons. And so just continuing with the with their, uh, with their the Kansas City Chiefs, what do you think of the running backs? I know Isaiah Pacheco had a really good game against the Jets, but, you know, they kind of rotate the running backs. Do you think that Pacheco's kind of solidified himself truly as the running back one, or do you think they'll still rotate them a lot? No, I, I don't think he can be, not when you have Andy Reid as your coach. And I agree with you that if there's one guy I like the most is Pacheco, and I would be – willing to treat him and trade for him as if he's a running back one because I actually am that confident in the Chiefs' offense to give me enough times in the red zone that Pacheco is going to be able to take advantage. I'm not even ignoring – I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not even considering the 100-plus yard running games, whatever else. He only has two rushing touchdowns. Like That's how confident I feel um, that Pacheco, Pacheco and the Chiefs' offense will get right. But to your point, I mean, 10 catches through four weeks, uh, he had 13 all of last season. It really does feel like Pacheco – has pushed away Jarek McKinnon a little bit, who was the fantasy darling uh, for a two-month stretch towards the end of last season. McKinnon had just three total touches uh, in that win over the Jets, and we've seen Clyde Edwards-Hilaire get just as many snaps, uh, if not more, than Jarek McKinnon over the past two weeks. So I, I think there's seriously room um, for Pacheco to, to carve even more playing time out, but not to the extent where he is true three-down back, doing everything. You know, He played 42 snaps. In that week four win of the Jets, I would be willing to bet that's probably going to be close to a season high uh, for him. But I'm still very interested in him, nevertheless. He's Joe Barnell of RotoWire joining us today on Sports Call. Joe will end with this. Uh, a question about the Saints because they've been pretty disappointing offensively since acquiring Derek Carr. They, of course, have got a couple of very talented wide receivers, maybe even three if you throw Shahid in there. But uh, with with Michael Thomas and Chris Olave combining for no touchdowns so far in four games, uh, wh- where is their current value? And uh, just, just do you see that going? I, I guess it's going to be better than zero at some point, but do you see them ever realizing that potential this year? Yeah, I actually wasn't that upset with uh, the Saints' offense really overall. You know, the Titans game, Carr threw for over 300 yards, uh, had that one single touchdown, and then go back to the Panthers game too. Panthers defense still had J.C. Horn at the time. They weren't too bad, but 228 yards. It was a Monday night game, kind of rough. And, and Carr was going to be lighting up the Packers before Rashawn Gary fell on him uh, and, and kind of ruined that first half, uh, well, I guess second half of the Saints. He's still dealing with an injury as well. Uh, and the Patriots defense, they are – they are missing a lot of people. Uh, Matthew Judon, star pass rusher, and then Christian Gonzalez, the stud cornerback uh, for them, both going to be out for, if not the season, for a lot of different, uh, a lot of weeks. So I, I think the Patriots defense, especially if he's limited their car, uh, is going to be a problem. But looking forward, week seven against Jacksonville, week eight against the Colts, week nine against the Bears, week 10 against the, the Vikings, those are all bottom third in terms of line points to fancy quarterbacks. So I feel very comfortable um, picking up Derek Carr 
if he's able to prove that he is shaken past whatever this uh, shoulder injury is. And as a result, I love Chris Olave. I think Chris Olave is one of the top ten wide receivers in the NFL right now. Uh, and I think Michael Thomas and Rashid Shahid, that is truly one of the best trios in the entire NFL. And I have, I have no reservations uh, that they will not produce yardage. The touchdown thing is different because Taysom Hill and you Alvin Kamara back now and Jamal Williams is vulturing. Like they have so many different ways they can score in the red zone. They don't have to throw. But those three, Michael Thomas, Chris Lavin, Rashid Shahid, will be able to move the ball passing game-wise so long as Derek Carr's healthy. He's Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire joining us today on Sports Call. Joe, as always, the time's greatly appreciated. Tell our listeners what you got going on with Roto-Wire and the, the various uh, written content and audio content you're working on right now. Yeah, you're right. We have plenty of stuff. So we had the Tuesday Roto-Wire podcast. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, just search uh, Roto-Wire Fantasy Football. We do our wave wire pickups. So that was uh, Jaleel McLaughlin, the Broncos running back. Now with Javante Williams banged up. What does that mean? Uh, we were pretty high on Quinton Johnston, Chargers receiver, as well as Josh Palmer. Uh, well, they're on bye this week. You know, I think they're still kind of in the realm. So we talk about that uh, on the podcast. And then I also posted my big betting sheet. Uh, I go over every over-under, uh, every spread total, pick every game against the spread. Uh, and you can find that on my Twitter, JB Fantasy Sports. And then every, uh, every Friday, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, uh, Sirius XM Radio, Channel 87. You know, we go through every game, talk about every fantasy implication, all the injury reports that come out at that point, too. Less games, obviously, because bye week's now officially starting, but plenty of action, uh, plenty of fantasy content, a lot of different ways you can find me. He's Joe Barnell of RotoWire joining us today on Sports Call. Joe, again, we appreciate the time each and every week, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. All right, thank you so much. That is Joe Bartle of RotoWire today on Sports Call. We're going to take another timeout. Back with more right after this. <laughs> 